Hey everyone, welcome back to Launch Codes Football. My name is Chris. And I'm Chelsea. Welcome back to another episode. We've got episode 18 here coming at you. We are ready to do this today. We last week talked about our mock drafts and kind of how we thought the draft went and what we thought about the team's picks. But this week, we're just going to go over a few headlines and what we think about the different things that have been going on in the NFL today. How are you feeling, Chelsea? I am feeling good. Today is a great sports day. Not only are we talking about the NFL and our podcast, the Pacers are crushing the Hornets right now in the play-in. Hopefully me saying that doesn't end up being that they'd lose because then that'd be very embarrassing. Also, the Cubs are on. The Hurricanes won last night. It's just a good week of sports for me. All right. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Right when you said that, I was like, if they lose, somebody's going to clip that. And Oh, I know. Never, you won't ever forget They're it. They're up by 30 right now. So I'm really hoping that me saying that, that they don't lose. But yeah, right. it's, a, it's a good weekend for sports. Or a good week for sports. Good weekend for sports. I mean, really, the only thing I've kind of had to deal with this week regarding the sports world, I had to watch some Carson Wentz slander on ESPN today which was disappointing, but I suppose we'll see. We'll see what happens through the year, which we're going to be talking about the Colts later along with Eric Fisher. But first, I'd like to get into Tim Tebow, the Jags taking him on as a tight end. This Timmy T. This was a, it was a controversial move, according to a lot of people. Personally, well, I understand why it's controversial, but honestly should it be not really i don't really see like the guy himself i don't know why i mean well i know why the reason is is because he brings in such media attention but if you don't mind chelsea i'll kind of go start this one off because just some things like i want to talk about with this so basically you're good i want to hear your fiery opinion about tim tebow not thinking it's controversial wiles having a fiery opinion this is insane not really for this but for the hot take maybe but Mm. what we've got for tim tebow is this was a controversial move according to a lot of people a lot of people feel like tim tebow was kind of given this um like teams are just like oh it's tim tebow we're willing to give him a shot and teams have given him many different shots before and a lot of people feel like well he's older now you know how is he really gonna be able to play Mm-hmm. And people were saying, well, he could be like Taysom Hill, but in fairness, he is much older than Taysom Hill and he runs a bit slower than Taysom Hill. So there is some validity to the controversy of this move. I think that it's for the most part, not a bad idea. If you think you can play well with him, sure, go for it. I don't really know if like, if they were thinking that, you know, is he just Are there other tight ends that they don't want out there, you know, and I don't know. It's, it's a little bit, it's interesting because, you know, you've got, of course he's an NFL veteran, but he hasn't played in so long. You would wonder if the Jaguars would take somebody else who's been playing for a while, who's maybe on the waivers or something like that, but they're going with Tebow, which this could work out. I mean, I don't think he'll be this huge piece. He could be solid for them, but I don't think he's going to be an all-star tight end his first year back in, what, 
10 years. So it's, I don't really see why so many people hate this move, but he's going to get a lot of media attention. I think that's going to rub some of his teammates the wrong way, but we'll see how Jacksonville handles it with the team chemistry. So Chelsea, what do you think? I mean, when I saw that Tim Tebow got signed, I thought, oh, you know, they're signing him as like a quarterback camp body, right? You know, he's familiar with Urban Meyer, played with him at Florida. They're friends. Urban Meyer calls him up, says, hey, man, need a quarterback to run the scout team. You want to come and, you know, play for the Jaguars for a few months? Tim goes, sure. What the heck? And then I read the rest of the headline and it says tight end. And I just kind of sit there for a second and I look at it and I go, my recollection is, coll- is correct. I believe Tim Tebow has never played tight end before in his entire life. Not in the NFL, not in college, not even in high school did Tim Tebow play tight end. Now, I mean, admittedly, so Tim Tebow has the tight end build, right? But he's never mm-hmm. played tight end. So I saw that and I was like, that's very Jaguars of them to do. You know, because the Jaguars have been historically bad. And now the Jaguars are on the rise. They're starting to look like they're going to be a pretty decent team, right? And then Urban Meyer goes and signs Tim Tebow as a tight end. And it's just like, what are you doing? Um, I would be surprised if he made the starting 53. Um, I could see him being like a practice squad guy, maybe. I could see him getting pulled up from the practice squad for a game or two if they get an injury, you know, maybe to run some Taysom Hill-esque plays. But I mean, you know, a lot of GMs, a lot of, you know, people that are in NFL front offices really don't care about this move at all. Like they're not intimidated by Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow has not played in a number of years. Yes, Tim Tebow may be in great shape and yes, he may have had a great workout, but that doesn't mean he's going to come in and destroy other NFL teams. Like I don't foresee Tim Tebow, you know, being able to, you know, run a crossing route and take on, you know, the likes of like Jalen Ramsey or Marlon Humphrey or something like he's not going to be able to, I mean, I would be very surprised if he made the starting team. I wouldn't be surprised if he just sat on the practice squad all year and, you know, mentored guys and taught them because he has a lot of invaluable experience you know, with him not only being in football, but also being in baseball. But I don't know. I mean, it was a move. Urban Meyer's familiar with him. They're friends. He played with him in college. It's just just the Jaguars, I guess. I mean, like I said, I, I don't really foresee this going anywhere. Um, I don't like the Tim Tebow slander, though. Everyone being like, Tim Tebow sucks. Like, why are you signing him to a team? Like, Yeah, he may not be good anymore, but I mean, just because he gets signed doesn't mean he's going to have an impact on the team. Doesn't even mean he's going to make the team. Like I said, he may just be a camp body. So, I mean, just it was just a very Jaguars thing to do. And, you know, as a Colts fan, I'm familiar with the Jaguars. So I have seen the Jaguars do a number of strange, weird, and questionable things over the years. So this doesn't, I mean, this just strikes me as being very Jaguars. (laughs) All right. Yeah. We'll have to see where this move goes. It could be a big deal. It could not be. I don't think in the end of the Jaguar season, it'll come off as like a huge deal for their whole season, but it's an interesting move. I don't think anybody can deny that. 
So Chris, um, this obviously means that you're taking Tim Tebow number one overall in our fantasy draft, right? Fully agree. Everyone over anybody, whether it be Christian yeah. McCaffrey, whether it be, you know, whoever, take Tim Travis Tebow Kelsey, over, number one overall. Nah, Tim Tebow better than Travis Kelsey. Confirmed. Confirmed. Yeah, absolutely. Wink, wink. All right. Next topic we got, Chelsea, this one hits a little home for you. Eric Fisher. Indeed was signed by the Colts for a year for $9.4 million. That's pretty, that's a pretty good deal. That's not much money for Eric Fisher too. And a lot of people will forget, but he is a very good offensive lineman. He was hurt last year. Obviously he couldn't play in the Super Bowl. Maybe he plays, maybe it's a little bit of a different game. He was actually talking about how it hurt him to just have to watch Patrick Mahomes run around the field and run for his life the whole time and I just think that I mean that shows what kind of guy he is how he views his work what he wants to do and I think this is a good signing by the Colts they're doing nothing but just upgrading their offensive line again yeah I mean I've heard a, a variety of opinions about this um, a lot of people think that Eric Fisher shouldn't have even been signed by the Colts because they think that the Colts should have taken Christian Darisaw in the first round of the draft um, instead of the edge uh, DE that we took. Um, I was surprised that they didn't take a tackle in the first round. I thought, you know, it was pretty much locked in that they were going to take one. And, you know, they asked, you know, Chris Ballard after the draft, they said, hey, like, you have this glaring need why did you address it in the sixth round? And he basically talked about how the left tackles that were available just weren't what they were looking for, you know, that they weren't, you know, just didn't fit their, what they were looking for, you know, didn't have maybe some of the skills they wanted, you know, maybe were weak in some areas that were important, you know, whatever it may be. And I mean, I'm not the GM, right? You know, I'm, I'm not head coach. I'm not Frank Reich. I'm not Chris Ballard. So, you know, I'm going to not going to sit here and be like, how dare you not take Christian Darisaw when you have a glaring need because I'm not in charge of the team. So, I mean, they may know things that I don't admittedly Christian Darisaw was very good in college and I was surprised they didn't take him, but you know, once that happened, all the Colts fans flooded to Twitter and Instagram and Reddit and the, overriding opinion was well this confirms that Chris Ballard is going to sign a veteran left tackle in free agency you know Chris Ballard he has a tendency to wait until the first wave of free agency is over and the second wave before he starts signing people unless he really wants someone because I mean obviously you know he traded his first pick away for DeForest Buckner and that panned out. So the dude's not afraid to make moves for the guys that he wants, but he is not going to overpay people because he knows that he has the likes of Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson waiting to get signed to mega contracts. So he knows he can't sign, you know, 20 somethings to five year, $70 million deals when he wants to keep two of the, you know, best players on his team. So it makes sense that he doesn't do that. But, you know, when we saw Eric Fisher go down, like, that was sad because the dude was really good, right? I mean, he was there with Patrick Mahomes. He did it all. He was this blindside guy. And like you said, it totally pained him, you know, to be able to not play in that game, to stand on the sidelines and watch his quarterback, you know, run for his life. I mean, he did tear his Achilles, which is a pretty serious injury. And, you know, the other gripe was, 
oh, the Colts signed Eric Fisher. He's not even going to play this year, which according to team doctors is false. Apparently people are thinking he could come back week two or three of the season, not play in preseason, not play in the first game at least, but two, three, maybe four games in, come back and play. So if that stands and those medical experts are correct, then he's going to get to play most of the season, which is what the Colts are looking for. I mean, I know that I can't remember what his name was, but um, the guy who got let go by the Bears, the left tackle, he really wanted to come to the Colts and he was healthy. But Chris Ballard opted for Eric Fisher because he has a higher ceiling. He's really good. Yes, he's coming off an injury, but they did his tryout and everything. And apparently he looked really good for where he was at. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and question Chris Ballard when the amount of things that he's done that were good totally outweigh the amount of things he's done that were bad so you know I'm not going to sit here and be like I don't know why we'd sign him he's not even going to start the first three games because he'll play it just might not be right away which I will admit is a little worrying because I don't know if you've seen the Colts schedule or not but it's a little scary (laughs) and our first five games are rough which means you know those first two three games that you know Fisher isn't going to be playing in most likely The left tackle spot is going to be manned by a mixture of Julian Davenport and and Sam Teddy, which if you know anything about Davenport and Teddy is that they were very bad last year, which is very disconcerting to me. But I will counteract that argument by saying Quentin Nelson plays on the left side and he could probably guard three guys all on his own. So I think we'll be fine. Fair enough. Man's a beast. And, you know, people are going to complain about the contract, too. They're going to be like, why would you pay an injured, old, tackled $9.4 million? It's like, first of all, have you seen the amount of cap space the Colts have? Clearly, you have not if you try to use that argument because they had one of the highest amounts of cap space this year and one of the highest next year. So they can afford it. Plus, if Eric Fisher pans out this year, still playing well, feels good, doesn't get injured again, he could get signed for another year. You know, they didn't sign him to a multi-year contract because he is older and because he now has an injury history. I'd be more mad if they signed him to like a three-year, $30 million deal because the dude's over 30 and he tore his Achilles. So what better thing to do than sign him to a one-year deal, say, okay, if you if you play well, you don't get hurt again and you prove to us that you can play another, you know, three, four years, then we'll sign you. But if you get injured again, if you regress, whatever it may be, they can cut ties. You know, they're not linked to him for longer than they have to be. Plus, I imagine that they'll probably draft a left tackle next year anyways. So, I mean, regardless, it'll be fine. I'm happy about it. I hope that week three is the latest he comes back. I'd prefer him to be there all the weeks because we played the Seahawks and the Rams. And the Rams means Aaron Donald. So... I would love for him to be back against the Rams, but if he's not, it is what it is. I'm happy with the signing. I think with a healthy Eric Fisher that the Colts are arguably the best line in the league behind maybe the Browns because the Browns have a really good line too. But I mean, if it pans out and he's healthy and he plays really good, Colts line is going to be pretty much unstoppable, except maybe for the likes of Aaron Donald. All right. There you have it, folks. The biggest Colts fan on earth, her thoughts on what this Eric Fisher signing was. (laughs) So, I mean, hey, like, this is why I asked you this. I was like, you know, let the expert go at it. So, 
I mean, I think this is a good signing. It's not long term. It's not a very they don't they're not super committed to him if they if he doesn't play that well this year or um unfortunately if he were to get hurt, then you know, they're not tied to him and losing a bunch of money. So I don't think it's a bad deal like you were saying. And I mean, plus we drafted Will Fries in the sixth round, who obviously can start if he goes down. No, just kidding. That was sarcasm. Don't slaughter me. All right. We'll see what happens. Next, we got Ryan Kerrigan, the 10-year veteran for Washington, signs with the Eagles. It's kind of wild. 10 years for one team, and then you go to their rival. But it's it's interesting to me. This is Ryan Kerrigan's a defensive end. Washington's been building up their defense. And last year, honestly, they had a pretty good defense. It's really ironic that last year, Washington gave Tampa Bay the roughest game of the year or of the playoffs compared to the chiefs. And I mean, I guess you could say the Packers did play them well too, but so maybe, maybe not the roughest, but I definitely think that Washington, they played the best defense over Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. Green Bay played good defense at the end of the game. They just had, they weren't as consistent. And while the, the point margin may have been, little bit higher for Washington I can't remember the exact score I know both of them were close one score games it did feel like Washington played more consistent defense throughout the game so interesting to see Ryan Kerrigan going to the Eagles been there for 10 years at Washington Um, Chelsea what do you think about this yeah I mean he's a veteran you know he's played a lot of years and he's probably I mean he's not his best anymore but I mean the dude's still good especially going to an interdivision rival <laughs> that's rough <laughs> going from the team you've spent practically your whole career with to a team in your division i'm sure he has probably circled those games on his calendar but i mean the dude has consistently been good so i think that's a big sign for the eagles even if you know he's maybe not the best that he's ever been i mean he's still good and he's definitely going to start So, I mean, you know, the Eagles can use all the defensive help that they can get, you know, with a young guy manning the quarterback position and a bunch of young people on offense. You know, any veteran help that they can bring in on either side of the ball is going to be beneficial for them. Agreed. I'll be interested to see what happens for the Eagles and how Klein works with them and, you know, if he'll help out their defense and, you know, people still believe that he's got some left in the tank to keep going. So, yeah, Kerrigan does, is legit. He's been good he, for a long time. He's never been the best per se, but he's always been a good, solid starter. All right. And in some interesting news, Kelly Klein hired as Vike, or I apologize. The Broncos, she was hired as executive director of football operations. She is believed to now be the highest ranking woman in scouting in the NFL. So congrats to her. This It was kind of a, a little bit of a, I know it's not about the players and stuff, but it's still interesting, you know, seeing more women involved in working in the NFL. So thought this was an interesting little topic to go over. For sure. I mean, I wanted to throw this one in just because, you know, 
a lot of the big players are just getting beaten over and over and over by the media and they talk about them every single day even though there's no new news like Aaron Rodgers everyone knows he wants to leave yet they still talk about him for like two hours a day like what else is there to talk about you know I didn't want to put that on here and be like let's talk about Aaron Rodgers when everyone already knows you know or someone like Deshaun Watson like everyone already knows what's going on like I'm not going to put that on here because you know we want to give you guys content that's unique and different and stuff that you might not hear from the bigger outlets that are covering other things so you know I found this to be really cool I mean as a female seeing you know a girl get hired as an executive director I think that's awesome I mean I hope that that you know her getting hired inspires a lot of young girls to go hey I like sports I want to do that I think that's really cool and you know I found you know saw the headline and looked it up and I mean she's qualified you know so I just respect to the Broncos you know for bringing in someone who you know may not be prototypical but you know can still do her job extremely well I mean I think it's awesome I love to see her in this position and you know I hope that she thrives and I hope that, you know, she helps the Broncos find some key pieces to make their team good again. Like, I love it. Agreed. Hopefully she can help the Broncos be better and maybe scout some help for their offense because. Or a new quarterback. <laughs> Yikes. I know. I mean, about am I wrong, though? <laughs> they got Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Am I wrong? All right. Well, we'll we'll see where that goes. But now we've got the hot take of the week. And from from who is it from, Chris? This is going to be from me. I Oh man, Chris with a fiery hot take. This is a first. Pretty much is. I mean, the way this tends to go is I'm not very I'm not a super like I'm not a heavily opinionated person in general. Like most of the time you know, I'm just not like, this is wrong or this is right. But <laughs> call I me do out. Have... That's fine. <laughs> hey, we've already discussed this. This is how our dynamic goes. And the audience knows that by this point, if they've been listening. So this is true. But yeah. So the hot take I've got for this week is basically, I feel like a lot of people tend to overrate how college quarterbacks perform against top teams they think that if you perform well against top teams it means you're going to be a good nfl quarterback and for me i don't really believe that i think that what's more important for a quarterback is how they've done through the whole year but i feel like you know we think of well, we think that if they're winning championships and they're performing in clutch time in a championship game, it means that they'll be clutch in the NFL. But that doesn't really, most of the time, it doesn't equate because most people who go to the NFL don't make it. They can be incredible studs in college, but that doesn't mean that they are going to be good. Or we can take this with any other position. Just because a wide receiver plays well against top 10 teams, does that mean they're going to be a good wide receiver in the NFL? The thought is, if you go to a bigger school, you get better competition. And in some degree, I do feel that way. But also, like, Ohio State is known as a huge football school. But how many of their quarterbacks have really done well in the NFL? 
I know we've got Justin yes. Fields that was just drafted, but like, I mean, there's been, I imagine a couple, but none really of note. I am here for the hard Ohio State truths. Go Hoosiers. Exactly. So And Boilermakers. Gotta love Purdue. Shout out to Purdue. They're not that good at football, but. <laughs> so that's just kind of how I feel. I think that people tend to overrate how players play in big games. They think that if they've played well in those settings, it means they're going to play well in the pros. And I just don't believe that. I think part of the reason we believe that, though, is because, well, are we watching every single team every game? No. But are we watching those people when they have big games because they're on national TV and it's being shown? Yes, we were being shown that clip or that um, that set of play. And so that's going to be how we view that person. It doesn't mean that Excuse they won't our perception. Well. Mm-hmm, it does. So, I mean, look at it this way. Like an example, we were just talking about him. Tim Tebow is the most successful college football player of all time, probably. I mean, when you think of successful QBs and the best QBs to ever do it in college, you think of Tim Tebow. He won two national championships. He was a stud every single year, and he was great. He was great at what he was doing. But in the NFL, he didn't pan out that well. He did have a couple good games and a season where he was able to lead the Broncos to a playoff victory in amazing fashion in overtime over the Steelers. So I'm not saying he was terrible or something, but you know he was pretty much out of the league not too long after that. So I think that's just something I feel that people overrate too much is how they're doing in big games. Whereas I think the most important thing is how are they doing over the course of the whole year being beat up and how does their game film look? Are they reading play as well? Are they calling out plays to where your teammates know what's going on? Are they leading well? Are they showing, are they practicing well? and the intangibles yeah not practicing well as in like oh they're doing just good in practice i mean like are they are they hard at work at their craft and you know are those things putting in up numbers or is there results from this so that's just kind of what i think so chelsea what do you think of that I mean, I think you have a good point. And I think there are other guys that you can point to that were really successful in college that kind of fell off in the NFL. I mean, example number one, look at Jameis Winston, right? Jameis Winston was, you know, pretty good at Florida State. Then he got to the NFL, played for the Bucks for a bit. If the dude could cut down his interceptions, even halfway, not even two thirds of them, he would be a really good quarterback in the NFL. But he hasn't, right? And because of that, he's only mediocre. It's not like he doesn't have the talent. You know, it's not like he doesn't have the ability. And he's getting a shot to prove his ability and his talent this year because Drew Brees is gone in New Orleans. And it's Taysom Hill, it's Jameis Winston, and it is the rookie quarterback that they drafted. And that's who they have. So of the three of them, Jameis Winston is the most qualified. So I would argue that this is probably Jameis Winston's last shot in the NFL to be a starter. Like he'll always be good enough to be a backup. He'll always be a really good backup, but this is, this could be his last chance. I mean, another example, look at Marcus Mariota, right? He dominated at Oregon. 
He was really good. Gets to the NFL, gets a starting job at Tennessee, blows it. You know, <laughs> they bring in Ryan, Tannen- Ryan Tannehill from the Dolphins, who had been terrible for the Dolphins. All of a sudden, he's in the right system and is really good. And Marcus Mariota gets shipped out to Oakland, and now he sits behind Carr for the whole season. So, I mean, I think that there are a lot of guys that you can point to, you know, for this argument. And, of course, you know, the counter argument is, well, the guys that you don't ever watch could also be good too, a.k.a., I mean, got to say the obvious, Tom Brady. I mean, he went real late. Yeah, he played at Michigan. Yeah, people watch him. But no one thought the dude was going to be a perennial talent. You know, no one thought he was going to be the best quarterback of all time. So, I mean, just because you're super, super good in college, you know, that doesn't necessarily translate all the time. I mean, you can point to other positions too. It's not just quarterback. I think it's most obvious with quarterbacks, obviously, because, you know, they're, you know, the headliners of the team. They're, you know, the face of the franchise, essentially. But I, yeah, I think you got a good point. You know, I really wish that Tim Tebow's career would have fanned out because that would have been awesome. I don't foresee him resurrecting his career in Jacksonville as a tight end when he's never played a snap of tight end for any team in his whole life. But I think you have a point. I mean, there are more guys than the ones that I mentioned that you can point to. I mean, look at Dwayne Haskins. I mean, he played at Ohio State, right? Got a shot in Washington. Completely blew his shot in Washington. Got signed by the Steelers, I believe. And I guess we'll see what comes of that. But, you know, just because you're good doesn't mean you're going to be good in the NFL. That's why, personally, I never like to look at players and say with 100% certainty that they're going to be super good in the NFL. Like, for example, Trevor Lawrence, right? I think it's pretty unarguable that Trevor Lawrence is one of the best quarterback prospects that we've seen in the last decade. Agreed. I mean, the dude is crazy good, crazy talented. There's really not a single thing that he does poorly, right? But the NFL is a different game from college. You know, just because you have crazy success in college and in high school, I mean, the dude only lost, like, what, two or three games in, like, seven years, which is crazy, right? Especially playing at a school like Clemson, which is a D1 powerhouse football school, to be able to post that stat line is pretty insane. But, you know, there's always going to be that small thought in the back of my head that's like, well, what if, you know, what if he gets the NFL, gets put on – a historical poverty franchise like the Jags with an unproven collegiate coach and Tim Tebow's a tight end. Like what if it just doesn't pan out? You know, not that I think that's going to happen. I think that, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to be incredibly successful. I think he's going to be a top quarterback in the league, arguably in his first year. So, I mean, I think the dude's going to be really, really good. But I just, I don't know. I just kind of shy away from being like, this guy is going to be excellent in the NFL. Because the reality is we haven't seen them in the NFL. We've seen them in high school. We've seen them in college. But the NFL is a whole different game. You know, you're playing against guys who have played 10, 12 years. You're going against defenses you've never seen before. You have to build chemistry with a bunch of people who are older than you. I mean, it's a whole new game. You're, you're not, you know king of campus anymore you know him going to Jacksonville Trevor Lawrence has a lot of power in Jacksonville but he doesn't have all the power you know it was him and Dabo and Clemson that you know they were the tandem you know they did things that was their thing I mean we have Urban Meyer now and Urban Meyer you know loves to take control and do things his way 
So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, I'm not saying, oh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be terrible in the NFL because I don't believe that. I just, obviously the probability is higher that he's going to be good, right? But until I see him play against real, legitimate, really good NFL defenses and see him succeed, I just can't say with 100% certainty that he is unfallibly going to be really good. Agreed. We can't know for certain who's going to be good and who's going to be bad. I mean, you can even you can't take a know look until at, you know. You can even take a look at a few years ago. Kareem Hunt was taken in the third round. Ended up being one of the top running backs there in the league. Alvin Kamara, third round also, ended up being the one of the top running backs in the league. So I think that I mean, it's even kind recently, of, look at someone like Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Clyde edwards Lair got taken over him. Jonathan Taylor fell to the second round, should not have fallen to the second round. Best rusher in Wisconsin history at a power five school that is consistently ranked in the top 25 every year. Somehow he falls to the second round to the Colts. Shout out to Chris Ballard for being Chris Ballard. And the dude has, you know, a not a ton more success than Clyde edwards Lair because Clyde edwards Lair was not bad by any means. But Jonathan Taylor looked a whole lot better than he did, and he should not have dropped. So, I mean, it's really just kind of about you want what you want. Agreed. But, yeah, I think that's pretty much it, what we got for this week. Chelsea, do you want to close us out of here for episode 18? Yeah, for sure. So thanks for listening, guys. Tune back in next Wednesday for more content. In the meantime, follow us on all the socials. On Twitter at underscore LC football underscore Instagram at launch codes football and on Facebook and YouTube at launch codes football. I'm Chelsea and I'm Chris and we'll see you next week. See y'all. Bye. <laughs>